This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today we have a show devoted to back to school and parenting kids of all ages. And with us on the program is internationally acclaimed parenting expert, extraordinaire, I should add, Alison Schaefer, who's also a best-selling author and a national media personality. Everyone's looking for Allison right now to deal with all of this adjustment. And Allison is here today to talk about readjusting to school now that so much more is in person again since COVID began. And also to talk about separation anxiety for kids and parents, whether it be being dropped off at nursery school for the first time or your child being dropped off at university in another city or even country. And later on in the program, Mental Health Empowerment Day is coming up. And back with us again to talk all about it is founder and CBT counselor in private practice for children and their parents. We're delighted to have Leanne Matlow with us today and Michelle Viner, who's also a writer and parent advocate and on the executive of Mental Health Empowerment Day. And they're both here to offer parents and families help and resources through an exciting online program called Mind Up, which is created by actress Goldie Hawn to teach children tools they need to manage stress and anxiety. And so we're going to hear all about that later on in the show. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about our first guest today, parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Armed with years of research and clinical experience, Allison is able to break down complex ideas and present them in ways that are easy for parents to understand and to implement. Allison's forte is delivering up actionable tactics that arm parents with the skills and the confidence they need to face modern life challenges. Using humor and relatable storytelling, Allison provides a fresh and positive understanding of family dynamics. And the end goal is just to raise resilient, caring and capable kids and have fun along the way. Hand selected as a presenter at the inaugural TEDx Kids in Belgium, she is now a three-time TEDx presenter and author of three best-selling parenting books with HarperCollins Canada, Breaking the Good Mom Myth, Honey, I Wrecked the Kids, and Ain't Misbehaving. Media loves Allison because she is the resident parenting expert with weekly segments on several national TV outlets. And she's often quoted in such notable publications as Cosmopolitan Magazine, Real Simple, Parent Magazine, Reader's Digest, The Washington Post, Huff Post, Parents and more. Besides guest appearances, Allison also created and hosts TV's The Parenting Show and the popular podcast Parenting the Adlerian Way. And I also remember Allison way back when we both hosted shows at Rogers at the same time. And brands call on Allison all the time for her insights into family life. Allison Schaefer, great to see you again. Welcome back to Finding Your Bliss. Oh, thank you so much. I should have sent you the abbreviated bio, but I did. <laughs> there's no time to talk now. We had to read the whole CV. Thank you so much. Clearly, I love what I do or I wouldn't be doing all of that. I love it. I love it. We love you because you just, you get it. And I have to say, Allison, never before in history has back to school been like this year. So 
for many kids, it's the first time that they're back in person. And so much has changed from when we were younger. I'm talking about you and I now. And back to school just meant getting a new outfit and a backpack. Or if we're really going back in time, getting a new school bag. (laughs) Remember those, everybody? What is back to school looking like in general this year, Allison? And then we'll get into the specifics. Well, you're quite right. It's a unique year with unique challenges. I think that we had a summer where we got a better feeling that things were sort of really returning to normal, but we haven't been fully in class yet in that situation. And what we see is that a lot of people have become either socially rusty, they're nervous about reuniting with their friend groups, are there cliques that are once the in-group, you know, do you sit at the same table in grade 10 that you sat at before? Some people fully went through puberty while they were away. They don't even know if they're going to be recognized. People put on weight. Some little kids have never been out in public. They've been home bubbling with their parents and they haven't had the typical playdate experience. So everyone's kind of going in things a little bit rusty, a little bit nervous about what it's going to take. There's sort of a a hesitancy there in people's attitudes. And yet we're really well poised to be getting back on. We're As a country and as the numbers are showing us, we really are safe to be together again. We just need to psychologically settle in and get at it. Absolutely. And also we're acting like COVID is over, but it's not actually over. And the spread is still of concern. So how do we deal with students and teachers gathering indoors in places such as classrooms and dorms and cafeterias? And what's your best advice on how to be mindful of COVID, but at the same time, let people feel like they have some freedom again? So what is the right way to approach this? I think it's important as parents that we educate our kids around the concept that this pandemic had stages and phases and that we had to be listening to the experts who were trying to manage a social health phenomena and the fact that their instructions changed over time should not be something that makes us think that they weren't being consistent in their messaging. It really means that we were hunting this down and different stages require different protocols. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning, pre-vaccination, pre-ability to do testing, et cetera, still not knowing the nature, still not knowing about variants, et cetera, there was different instructions to us than now. And Mm -hmm. so now it really is a manageable condition. It doesn't flood hospital rooms. We have enough resources for people that react differently. So we still follow the same rules, which is what is the current today recommended best practices? So the number of people inside, when to wear a mask, when to sanitize hands, and to know that there is going to be some variability based on certain people's susceptibility, belief systems, or whatever, and that we just work as a family to decide what our policies are going to be and where we're going to go and feel safe. So let's find out what your school says this year about Mm -hmm. masks in classrooms, et cetera, et cetera, and be rule followers Mm -hmm. and trust our trusted officials and proper sources of information, not false news. That's such great information. Thank you for that. In universities, we saw spreader parties, and and that's your phrase, and those are likely to continue on college and university campuses. And you say that we can't be cavalier yet. So how do we deal with that as parents and what can students do when they're invited to these parties and they don't know how to deal with it because they want to go, they want to be social, but we know that they're super spreaders. So how do you reconcile that? 
You know, we ha can't control our kids when they go off to university. They have to make those decisions without us being around to supervise or monitor doesn't mean we still don't have a place of influence as a parent. So what we want to do is educate and share our stance and then show our good faith in them to make good decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we tell them that information that they're super spreaders. We remind them that it may be that people are not as healthily robust and maybe haven't been vaccinated or have people at home with pre-existing conditions that could, this is still a, a fatal disease for some people and that we need to be social health means everyone pitches in and does what's required. You know, you look out for others. So you tell them your stance. You say, mm -hmm. I, you know, I expect that if you're going to go socialize, that you do the numbers that are required, follow the university's recommendations, cover that up that mask, sanitize and follow the rules. And then you kind of have to let the chips fall where they may. Not mm -hmm. that you say, nana, nana, boo, boo. I can't believe you made a bad <laughs> choice. Yeah. But, you know, I'm so sorry that this has happened. You can see the consequences of what's happened. And, you know, what can we learn and what will we do differently in the future? That's sort of the best we can do. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I actually spoke to a parent yesterday who said that on many university campuses, students are acting like COVID doesn't even exist anymore, that it's not even a thing. How do we deal with that? It is a thing. I think it's just because it is not having the same hospitalization and, you know, we're not talking about it in the same way we were at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And they expected this too, that it would fall more into the category of other things like having the flu. It's really about being a community player. You can mm -hmm. still be social and friendly and throw a mask on. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Whether you have a child in the younger years or in high school or university, you say one of the bigger issues is the catching up both academically and in social reconnection. And being rusty and lack of confidence and increased anxiety or abounding, we'll be talking about mental health in the next segment as well. Can you give us an example of how this is manifesting itself? There are kids who don't want to go back to in-class learning. They really actually liked online learning because they didn't have to deal. It was just academics. They mm -hmm. didn't have to deal with sitting in a desk group and who's looking at who and who's going to, you know, bang into me at my locker. And there's a party on Saturday and I, am I in that group chat or whatever? They basically just checked out onto some of that stuff. They just isolated literally from dealing with what's going on socially. Mm -hmm. So to go back together face to face, a lot of these kids, they don't know how to strike up a conversation. They know how to text. They know how to Snapchat, but they don't actually know how to say, hey, how are you? You know, as they're going to their locker, they don't know how to say, do you want to go grab some lunch? <laughs> They've literally forgotten the scripts for face-to-face -face learning. So a lot of kids just don't want to go face that environment. There's also, because kids in the adolescent years especially, are um, it's part of our wiring. We're social creatures. We're supposed to have a real concern for fitting in with their peers. They have a higher radar for social rejection, and they're more likely to have a bit of a biased cognition where if they don't get invited to the lunch table, instead of thinking that maybe there was only six chairs and I didn't come from that class and I wasn't there yesterday, so they didn't think I was going to be there today, there's a high likelihood that they're going to read that as, I have no friends. Nobody likes me. Nobody invited me. And what they don't know is that the other six people at the table are saying, like, I don't have friends. No one invited me. Like, everybody Absolutely. is so worried. It hasn't been reestablished yet. So I think we just, we have to normalize it, encourage kids to get back to their activities, back to their schools, and just tell them, kind of, fake it till you make it. There's mm -hmm. no way to do it except, you know, you got to go from being a newbie and just push through the uncomfortability of it 
and have faith that you had lots of friends before. There's no reason why it's going to be any different this year once you settle in. Of course. You also mentioned that high school students are given so much leeway for late assignments or doing the bare minimum. Some of the year end exams were canceled. And even just going back to school where some of these accommodations are no longer in place might be a shocker to them. But how do we set all of these kids up for success. What are some other things just to increase confidence and lessen anxiety and get them to want to go? Because a lot of them are saying, why should I? Kind of like the nurses and the the people in the healthcare system who stopped going to work, the airline people who stopped doing it and were working at home. And so why should they stand on their feet for 20 hours when they could do it at home? Like that is a real thing out there right now because of COVID. It's absolutely true. And there is no doubt about it that some of the already faulty systems in place with our academic system got exacerbated and there's a lot of kids who are kind of like this is a bit of a joke (laughs) you know it doesn't matter and why do I have to do this and yeah and there's fear to your point about you know I totally lied and you know it wasn't supposed to be an open book test but who would know my camera was off and a lot of kids did fake it and they are worried that they are going to be assessed and it's all going to come out now Mm -hmm. or their parents sat beside them and basically tutored them through the last two years and they don't know if they can learn on their own. Right. So there's mixed emotion around all of that. And so, again, yes, I agree with you, normalize, but also to say that it is the job of a teacher to be able to bring people from all different levels of knowledge and to spend the first couple of months of school doing an assessment to see who fell behind, who got what concepts, who didn't, and to be able to move the kids through the curriculum. So what I would say to parents is don't make the mistake of, going over their homework and correcting everything because the teacher's going to get back all these assignments and they're like, oh, I guess everybody understood how to do long division. Everyone's getting 10 out of 10. Let's move on to the next concept. And meanwhile, the kids don't know long division. Their parents have kind of prompted them through it. Mm -hmm. They need to know that, oh, we need to slow down a bit. We've got half the class not understanding long division. We're going to spend some more time there. So don't be afraid of the assessment. Let the assessment be accurate. It's fine to write on a piece of paper, I don't know this yet or I don't understand this. That's a completely fine thing to write on a paper for a teacher to see. And so let's get a fair understanding of where they're at and then think of the ways to catch up, which includes hiring a tutor, using some of these gamification apps. Like there's many ways to get kids caught up. Kids are so in the moment. They think if they don't know it now, it's like you've got a hundred years to learn. <laughs> it's okay. If you have to like take a gap year or a skip year or repeat it a second time, that's all fine. You've got a whole life to live. They get so catastrophic in their thinking. It's, oh, it's got to be this year. I'm never going to get caught up. I might as well, you know, become a bricklayer. Oh. Nothing against bricklayers. Perfectly good job. We need them. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so true. It's so true what you're saying. We're going to go on a short commercial break. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. 
This is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, and I'm here with parenting expert Allison Schaefer. So, Allison, for younger kids who did kindergarten or grade one online, you've talked about how they really missed out on how they're expected to play. Never mind how to learn and and listen in class, but just even how to play in the schoolyard, work independently and cooperatively in a classroom. How do we change our expectations to accommodate this? Yeah, again, you know, it's the things that were lost that we forget, you know, because it's so a part of childhood. We forget things like when you're in preschool and nursery school, a lot of that curriculum and play-based learning is about learning how to take turns, learning how red little Johnny's ears are going to get before he bites you in the sandbox. (laughs) And so we kind of think, well, if they're four, they should know what four-year-olds know, but they're a four-year-old who's been at home hanging out with 35-year-olds. They have not been hanging out with other four-year-olds negotiating how to share the blocks or not kick my blocks over. And if they did, what do you do about it? So there is a lag time in some of that social learning too. And that's, you know, again, I think that classrooms teachers will appreciate this, that sure, you want to jump to curriculum, but you can't jump to curriculum before you figure out some of those social skills. So we just all have to slow down our expectations. So for parents, I would say, have lots of play dates, even if it's with cousins, even if it's going out to the park, you know, dogs are wonderfully infectious for having people start talking to you. And next thing you know, your dog's talking to my dog and your kid's talking to my kid. And now we're all on the swings together. We just got to get people together so that that they can practice general interactions and navigating childhood together. Absolutely. So smart. Such great advice. So I know we talked about this before the show. I was very fortunate with my youngest, my daughter, because she did her undergraduate at a university that was close to home. And now she's away doing a master's in another city, in another country. And I'm finding it to be quite a challenge. And I think it's because I got used to having her nearby and just doing what you were talking about before, bubbling as a family, which has been making the separation anxiety and transition a little harder. You can ask my producer, Yesterday, I think I bawled my eyes out for, I don't know, I want to say like four hours. I couldn't stop. And add to that, travel is not as reliable these days. So when people say, oh, it's only an hour away, it's not only an hour away anymore. It can be 12 hours or a day. So any tips and suggestions on how to deal with all of this? Oh, I wish I could take your pain away from you, your your growing pains. I, I mean, I think a lot of parents relate that on the one hand, we're kicking up our heels and celebrating this important transition into adulthood for our, our young adults going off. But for us as parents, it means that they leave a huge hole. I mean, they're an important part of our life. And especially, as you say, if we've been co-residing, both my kids graduated from university and came back home and lived with me for six months. And I actually just had my daughter here this week because she's doing work in town. And I'm like, I remember I miss living with you. These are really important people. You know, we need to take a moment to realize that we're parenting so well in this century, so much better than we did before. Part of the slowness to launch is because we actually enjoy each other's company. It's not because we're overly protective per se. It's actually, we get along. Guess what? You're good company. You're one of the best people I like spending time with. You're my Exactly. Exactly. And that's a sign of success. But it does mean that it's a big hole when they go. And so we have to find ways to mourn the loss of having them around. It's a new phase of life. And so treat it as mourning. People think you have to die to mourn. That's not true. Changes in life cycles is a kind of mourning. So Mm -hmm. respect that and have your bit of mourning. 
and then figure out what the new version is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Does it mean that you're going to have a tradition of FaceTiming every day at five o'clock and <laughs> when she's riding the subway home? Or, you yes. know, does it mean that you have some major catch up Sunday afternoons while you're both out doing a long walk or whatever yeah. it might be? And maybe new traditions, maybe say, listen, you used to like live under my roof, but now I come for a visit and you have my undivided attention, you know, every six weeks. So I think right. you start planning what the next phase looks like, knowing that you really do want to stay very deeply connected and it's just going to look differently. Yes. And then, you know, in terms of uncomfortability, your kids will surprise you at how resilient they are. But if you're nervous or scared for them being in a different country, maybe it's up to us to say, maybe I need to go live in your city to realize that the subway is safe and the streets are okay. And it's just, it's the absence of knowing that frightens us. You know, mm -hmm. I certainly mm -hmm. thought Toronto was scary when I lived in Waterloo. And then I went to New York and I thought, Toronto's nothing. New York is scary. Now I've been to New York so many times. I don't think New York is scary at all. I've been to far scarier cities. So sometimes we need to literally go experience it for ourselves in order to kind of settle in in our own minds. That's such smart advice. And I totally am with you on the FaceTime. We do it all the time to the point where my daughter says, I might as well be at home. We're FaceTiming. And when she walks, we talk. So you're right. There's always ways to ameliorate and work with it and be creative, resourceful and whole and flexible and figure out ways. I, I didn't know this yesterday, by the way, when I was crying, but your advice and just, uh, you know, it's a process, as one would say. Right, Allison? Oh, so for those moms that cried on their first day of drop, off in daycare or nursery school or whatever, just know like you're still going to be crying when you drop him off at 25 or 20. It's like we never stop being parents. You That's know, right. it, we, it's different ages and stages, but you know, we are still deeply invested emotionally in our kids all along the different phases. So great. I love your suggestion for little ones where you teach them how to do a happy, snappy goodbye. What does that look like? Can you elaborate? So a happy, snappy goodbye is what I teach parents for drop-offs for our youngest people. I worked for many years in a nursery school on the other side of the door as a teacher. So I was the one receiving the teary-eyed kids who had never been away from their parent before. Yes. And I know how upsetting it is. It's it, You don't know me. You don't know this classroom. You don't know what to expect. That's a really courageous thing to do to come inside. But what tends to happen is that parents will want to have their child calm before they come into the classroom. So they stay waiting for the child to calm down. What ends up happening is the child is actually upset in order to keep the parent there. So instead <laughs> of being upset for two seconds, they're now upset for half an hour. So parents think they're helping, but they're actually, it's like ripping a Band-Aid off really slowly. Yes. What I can tell you from years of experience is that a child doesn't dig down deep and try to get re-regulated until the parent is out of sight. Mm -hmm. So you're better to make the drop-off short and quick and trust those teachers. They're trained with skills on how to get kids engaged, distracted, calmed. And if they can't, they'll let you know. But mm -hmm. the majority of kids will cry for a few Four minutes after the door is closed and then we say you know can you tuck in that chair can you help our teddy bear find the crib we get them busy and they get distracted and then next thing you know they're having a great time because there's new things there that they don't have at home and and they're very easy to connect honestly like judy you say to a, a two-year-old look at you have blue shoes and this boy has blue shoes and they say you know oh when you're two that's enough we're friends we both have blue shoes it doesn't take a lot we're so wired for connection it doesn't take a lot for kids That's to so connect. That's so great. I, I just, I love that. And you also have some fascinating advice, Allison, for older children, where you encourage them to stay in residence and not to come home until Thanksgiving. Can you explain that? 
So again, this goes down to um, when we have kids with some anxiety issues or, and again, it's happening just more this year because it's just harder to settle in, you know, and it was during the pandemic as well. Mm -hmm. When we see anxious kids, it's easy for them to want to retreat from their problem and say, I want to come home. I don't like it. I don't have any friends. I don't like my roommate. I'm homesick. Let me come home. Mm -hmm. If we as parents hear that distress and then say, oh my God, my child's distressed. They don't have any friends. They don't like their roommate. They're not, okay, drop out, come home. They're never going to build the resiliency skills of having to figure out how to get over these struggles in life. So mm -hmm. as parents, we're typically too quick to rescue. Mm -hmm. and, and we'll mm -hmm. see this pattern. So when we say anxiety is genetically transmitted, it is the propensity for it, but so is the modeling and the learning that if I'm distressed, you're going to come solve my problems. Mm -hmm. So I would say that parents can be compassionate and they can be empathetic, but I would say, I'm so sorry that you're bored on campus. I'm sure you'll find something to do. Home is not an option this weekend, you know, but if you can encourage them to stay, what'll happen is the next weekend they're going to go, oh, you know what? I'm so glad I didn't come home because like this other guy, he was around. And like we went and grabbed a beer at the tavern and, you know, they will push yeah. on. But if their easy exit is just to come home, they're not going to integrate. And so you're not helping them by rescuing. It reminds me so much when you're talking about the kid at camp who writes this letter. I'm so homesick. It's so terrible. And they're crying. And then the next time you speak to them, you're here from, hi, I'm great. I just had ice cream. Everything's great. You know, and you're like, you're dying for five days worrying about them. And meanwhile, they've probably moved on five minutes later. Right. So that's another thing to keep in mind. It is very much the same thing. And this is what I mean about, you know, trusting and knowing what the resources around. It's OK to say, you know what, you might get homesick. You might get homesick. People do. That's true. True. But what would help you? you know, do you want to curl up with my sweater? You can talk to the camp counselor. You can go to the camp nurse. There's things you can do. When you go to university, you can say, do you know what? There's mental health services in every university campus. Nice. Um, you can talk to your Don on your floor. You know, you can call home. There are call kids help phone. That does kids help phone is not just for kids. I want people to know they get, it is for anyone who needs anonymous help and support. And so um, helping your kids know where the resources are and to help Smart. them rehearse what will you do when is, you know, good sound advice and that we have to have the resiliency to watch our kids struggle. Absolutely. There's also, if your kid is not in residence and away at university, sometimes doing their laundry for the first time, having to prepare food and cook for themselves and manage their social life and everything, not to mention school, can be overwhelming and can feel like a lot. Any tips for how to deal with all of that? Because that's just like life stuff plus school in another environment. Yeah, Judy, I mean, just notice how much we load onto a child when they leave home and live independently. And you realize if they're doing all of those things for the first time, you've maybe um, held off too long on handing some responsibility to your kids. Wouldn't it be nicer if your kid's been doing their own laundry since they were 10? Wouldn't it be nice if they were making their own meals since they were 14? Wouldn't it be nice if they managed their own money since they were 16? But instead, we do all this for them. And then we say, hey, you're an independent living human being. You need to know how to change a tire this, that, this, that. It just comes too so fast. Smart. So I would just say, stagger it out and hand over some of that responsibility much, much earlier. So it's not all overwhelming in that first year. They really want to focus on finding friends and studying. Such brilliant. You are so smart. Have I, I, I know, you know that I think the world of you, but you are so smart. You really are. The common denominator on this show is always happiness and well-being. And what are your best tips on how to achieve well-being in this new school year, both for parents and for children? 
You know, I would say um, that we need to take a, a moment. I loved your uh, starting off with the deep breaths to get centered because we kind of get on the treadmill really fast and we lose sight of our value hierarchy. And we sometimes get a little um, confused about what's important. So I think if we remember that as human beings, we are meant to love one another, accept our differences and to make contributions to one another, that's the most important. Academics is a byproduct. It will come. When kids are happy, connected, when relationships are strong, learning happens. So let's not get too wrapped up in putting the pressure on catching up with grades, getting back into 27 extracurriculars. Let's have a nice slow on-ramp as everybody acclimates and just bit by bit build those relationships back up. Lovely. What is bliss these days for Allison Schaefer? Oh my gosh, what's bliss for me? Yes. Well, I'm very happy to be doing more in-person speaking engagements. And I have been really enjoying doing my own podcast because I've been getting to speak to other experts and, you know, like chatting with you. It's so great to speak with other like-minded people. And I'm working on doing my big parenting class, moving it online for people so they can do it at their own pace. So I got lots of big projects. I'm super, super happy with my uh, engagement with my work. Yeah. That's so great. How can everybody get in touch with you both on social media and on your website to learn about all of this stuff and keep following you? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, the clearinghouse where everything is located is my website, alisonschafer.com. But, you know, my handle on all social media is at Allison Schaefer and I'm posting tips and information there all the time. If you want to ask me questions, you can join my uh, Thursday noon Eastern Standard Time Facebook Lives and are just available to the public to answer parenting questions. I also have my podcast. You can send me questions. It's called Parenting the Adlerian Way on Apple and Spotify. And then I have the parenting show on Rogers Television and that's regular. And then I do my regular media with Global Morning News and Global Morning Show and some other media people but i always if you're following me on social you'll know where i am and what i'm doing and where to find me (laughs) and let's spell your name for everyone if they're looking out for you on social media and on your website and everyone it's a-l-y-s-o-n-s-c-h-a-f-e-r yeah had i had known that this would be my (laughs) occupation i I would have changed my name to like pat smith (laughs) could not have a worse name for saying out loud but yes that's it if you google parenting expert canada you'll find me some way. I'm out there. (laughs) So great. I want to thank you so much, Allison, for being back on the show today. It was so great. You always make me feel so good. And I know you make everyone feel great. Thank you. Judy, thank you. Thank you for having me back on. And thank you for your great contribution. All the wonderful guests. I'm going to listen to the next uh, callers as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss and Mental Health Empowerment Day when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together.
We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're now joined by the founder of Mental Health Empowerment Day and CBT counselor in private practice for children and their parents, Leanne Matlow, and by writer and parent advocate, Michelle Viner, who is also the vice chair of Mental Health Empowerment Day. Welcome, everyone, but I'll just tell you a little more about these wonderful people. Leanne Matlow is a cognitive behavioral therapy counselor with a private practice specializing in anxiety for children and adolescents. She is trained as a teacher and as a guidance counselor with a master's from the Toronto Institute of Child Study, OISE, and certificates in CBT from the Beck Institute in Philadelphia. Discovering the prevalence of anxiety issues in the classroom setting and their regular misdiagnosis as academic concerns, Leanne has become a mental health advocate who speaks regularly about anxiety in the classroom to parent and teacher groups. Leanne founded and organizes the annual Mental Health Empowerment Day Symposium to increase the understanding of parents and those who work with children and youth regarding mental health issues. And she also has a wonderful book out called Thinking About Thoughts. Leanne is the 2019 Inspiration Award winner for the Women of Action of the Israel Cancer Research Fund and was the co-chair of the UJA campaign for 2021. And Michelle Viner, as mentioned, is the vice chair of Mental Health Empowerment Day. And she is also a parent who has lived experience with mental health issues and who has also become an advocate. She is a writer who has written for Chatelaine Magazine, Canadian Living and Today's Parent. And currently she is writing about the topic of mental health and wellness through her blog, A Little Wordy, on Substack. And through her wonderful book, which I have right up here in my bookshelf, and that is A Few Words About Mental Health. She lends her expertise to Mental Health Empowerment Day to help spread the word, to educate and to work to eradicate stigma. Leanne and Michelle, welcome back to Finding Your Bliss. Thanks, Judy. Thank you for having us to talk about this very important topic. Thank you, Judy. We love being here. Thank you. Leanne, you have said we are in a mental health crisis right now, and we need to learn the best practices as people are really digging themselves out of a hole right now. What is going on with mental health right now? Can you explain just generally where we're at at the moment? So I believe that, you know, I know that when I started doing my training, statistically, we used to talk about one in five, you know, that 20% of kids or youth were you know, having some struggle that would be called a mental health disorder. And over the course of time in the past 12 years, and let's throw in an international pandemic, the numbers have been increased. And I cannot say enough about how the pandemic has impacted um, mental health. On one hand, anyone who was suffering is suffering more because they lost service and they, you know, even some of my own clients were working towards certain things and then suddenly were cut off. So that gave rise to a lot. And we know through research, there's been a rise of, you know, social anxiety as we come back into normal living. But we also saw a rise, unfortunately, in things such as eating disorders, self-harm, suicidality, because it's not normal to wake up, lie in your bed, be in your pajamas, go to school, socialize, to have monumental things taken from you. And 
though they may seem small in during a crisis that's you know world renowned losing your graduation losing your hockey tournament losing your play performance whatever kids lost has had an incredible impact and even if there hasn't been time to practice the skills that we need it's devastating and it's tough to grow up especially with social media which is part of the issue and i do believe that and from statistics that i'm reading now we're talking 40 45% of kids and wow. i think coupled wow. with that the pandemic did is highlighted a problem and a lack of access to service which is really really mm-hmm. makes it difficult for teachers parents coaches mm-hmm. who see kids struggling and don't know how to help them and that is really why mental health empowerment day is focusing actually on the adults who help kids yes well you guys are doing a wonderful thing and i have to tell our listeners this is your 6th annual mental health empowerment day so congratulations it's taking place on october 19th and we'll tell you all about that at the end of the show but it really sounds spectacular this year and you've said to me leanne that this year you're staying true to your three goals, which is to educate, destigmatize, and build community. And this year, you're primarily focused on parents and their families because you said when one person is suffering, everyone in the family suffers. So true. So we want to bring tools to help everybody. Can you elaborate a little bit on this? So one of the biggest misnomers about anxiety is that it's someone's choice. And I think that is offensive to those who suffer from anxiety. I know it is. If your child is suffering and, you know, won't go to school or refuses to go to a place where there's an escalator or won't eat a certain food or has some other sort of behavior or panic that's associated with what they're doing, the family is struggling. Do I enable? I want to be empathetic. I don't know. And and there's just a severe lack of information. So parents don't know, you know, as your heart as a parent is to go in and help. But what we know about anxiety yes. is that actually enables the anxiety. So knowing where the line is, is really one thing. And this year, I'm beyond excited about this one on October 19th, because we're able to bring to Toronto for the first time, real experts who have scientific data to prove the teaching of something that's really in right now, which is called SEL, social emotional learning. And what I love about it, Mm. to be honest, is this is a proactive measure. Unfortunately, when we're dealing Mm. with mental health issues, we usually are reactive. This is what I'm seeing. What can I do? This program through MindUp, and Michelle's going to tell you more about that, is incredible because people who aren't suffering, people who don't see it in their homes, and that's what we want to spread. You could be doing this, like something done best practices well will help everyone. And that's really what we want to do by bringing MindUp to Canada, this Mental Health Empowerment Day. That's incredible. It's so important that you're filling this gap in for people. And Michelle, I do want to ask you about MindUp, which I know is the brainchild of Goldie Hawn. And it just sounds like a fascinating user-friendly program. Can you tell us a little more about MindUp and how it's going to be featured in this wonderful Mental Health Empowerment Day that you have coming up? I would love to. I wish that I had had MindUp when I was a parent sitting in my kitchen with my child struggling with mental health issues. And it did exist. This has been around for 20 years, but... 
I didn't know about it. So to bring it to an audience is really something that we're really happy to do. Essentially, Judy, it is an online platform that's kind of geared towards three groups, educators, families and parents, and then adults. And we're looking on the 19th really at the one geared for families and parents. Although we've heard from teachers who have mined up in their school programs and are so excited that we're doing this because what the child may be learning at school through this program, parents will be able to then take further into the home, which is so important. You know, I always say we need our therapists and our counselors and all of the professionals who help our kids and their heroes, especially in my house, I'll tell you. But I think parents are frontline workers and we need to have the tools Mm -hmm. and we need to have the support. So, you know, to be really honest, there may have been a time back in those days when I had thought, you know, if someone was going to offer an app, I'm not sure, you know, maybe that would be helpful. Maybe it wouldn't be. I'm telling you, it is. I went on it. We're eight years into our journey. And I said to Leanne, I'm going to go into this app and really, you know, explore it. I couldn't come off it. I felt so taken care of. And it's basically a series of modules and units, um, sometimes led by Goldie and sometimes led by other professionals um, in the mental health arena who take you through different exercises, who take you through different ideas of what you can explore for yourself and with your child. So it's very interactive and user-friendly. Everything's kind of short, one, two, three minutes, so it's not anything too arduous. And they have very specific things that you can sit and do with your kids. But the most important thing for me, and I think for our audience on the 19th, is going to be that you're doing it that you're empowering yourself. And so parents have someone helping them to kind of take the kids through these processes that will ultimately help both parent and child. I just want to add that in order to fulfill our mission, we're always looking for good things that exist. And why this one is in particular absolutely incredible is it's been around since 2003. Goldie was able to initiate a network of absolute incredible professionals after 9-11. And so there's scientific evidence and media all over the place. She was just on Good Morning America talking about this again. And we are so blessed because one of the key writers for this program lives in Hamilton, Ontario, and she is going to be our lead speaker of the evening. And her name is Dr. Jean Clinton. And she wrote a book that I can't, I, Amazon must hate me because I keep ordering it. I've ordered (laughs) it for everyone. I know they must love me. Amazon doesn't. They love you. It's called Love Builds Brains. And I don't care if you are a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, you somehow have any interactions with anyone younger than yourself. This book is impactful. And to have her come and speak to a Canadian audience. And then there's this big special surprise, which I'll let Michelle announce that we're bringing in (laughs) someone to even train people how to use this platform. And he is a powerhouse who's coming up from Miami, Florida. She'll give you the details, but he is energetic. And during this hour and a half, that you can come and meet these wonderful and hear from these people. You're going to leave there exactly what we want, empowered to use this app to make a difference in your life and the lives of people in your home and around you. 
So Leanne's talking about a gentleman by the name of Dito Bala, who he has his own incredible story. He's the head of education for MindUp. So he does a lot of their training around the world uh, for people who are going to, you know, bring the platform either into their homes or their schools. So that's really what he does for them. We're actually going to probably use him as a bit of a lived experience speaker. And I don't want to give his story away. I want you to come on the 19th and hear it because it is something pretty spectacular. Anything is possible in this world. And I can't think of someone more able and inspirational to teach this to us. You know, I'm saying it's user-friendly and it is. I'm sure that there's a lot we're even going to learn from it on the 19th in terms of I'm eager to get into the what they want us to know about their program. So it's very exciting. Wow. No, this is wonderful. And and what's great is, as you said before this interview ever took place, that it's hard for people to get mental health professionals right now. There's huge waiting lists. So in the meantime, we have this Mind Up program to use, which is fantastic. And this year's Mental Health Empowerment Day takes place on October 19th. Can you tell us about the venue? It's taking place at the Eglinton Grand Theater. So it will be spacious and COVID friendly if people want to wear masks come. But we do believe it's critical that people be in the room to, to um, hear and be trained. And I also have to add that there's some really, really big news about this that we haven't mentioned that we have strived very hard with Mental Health Empowerment Day to make it available to everyone. So the cost of this event is $20 to walk through the door. And you are going to walk out with a one-year free membership to use this app, which has a cost on their website of $120 US dollars. So that alone, wow, to have access for one year, to me is the gift that Mental Health Empowerment Day 2022 can give to families, to people who are suffering, to people who want to avoid suffering, and exactly what you said, Judy, to those people who may find themselves in a line waiting and want tools that they can use right now in their homes to provide some relief for a family that's suffering. And I can't think of any better way to be able to help people in a grand scale. That's what we're most excited about is that parent sitting at that kitchen table, right? The one that needs the help and the support. And so that's going to come right to them. Yes. Which is amazing. Well, you're making it accessible to everyone. So there's an economic benefit too, that maybe someone that wouldn't have been able to afford it has access to it. You're making it accessible to everyone. It's something that people can do in the interim. This is not to replace going to see the mental health professional or the therapist, which of course, when they get that appointment, they should do that. But in the meantime, there's something you can do and feel proactive to use your words so that you don't feel helpless. I also read, and I was very excited to hear that it's being presented this year by Project Give Back and Ellen Schwartz, who's a good friend of this show and a good friend of mine too. Ellen Schwartz is- Friend of everybody. Friend of everybody. And the work they do, I feel like it's a beautiful symbiotic relationship because- what Ellen and that program are doing is teaching kids about kindness, teaching kids about, they do research about charitable works and and how giving back actually is an anecdote to depression. We know that and anxiety, helping someone else actually helps you more than, well, at least as much as it helps them. And this year being able to pair with Project Give Back to bring Mind Up to Canada is hopefully also going to extend the net wide so the teachers in those schools that know 
the power of what Project Gives to kids. We'll also be able to yes. say, hey, if Project Give Back is working with Mental Health Empowerment Day and I can come and get this access and use this in my family, in my classroom, wow. with my grandchild, whatever, it just is another group that's on, a, I believe, a very worthwhile mission. And Ellen will wow. be there. Ellen will be bringing greetings to us all. Ellen, in her words, always has something very meaningful to say. And is truly someone that inspires me. And I think she's just a wonderful role model to society in general. So we're really proud to be working with Project Give Back and all her teachers. They're all wonderful. So it's a really special opportunity. I was already coming, but you sold me even more. I'm definitely going to be there. I'm really looking forward to this. I also understand that MindUp is a program that is evidence-based and developed by experts grounded upon four scientific pillars, neuroscience, mindful awareness, social-emotional learning, and positive psychology, a big part of this show, and that it's simple to administer these programs for parents, teachers, and families. Can you paint us a picture of how it can be used? The crux of this platform and correct me if I'm wrong, Leanne, but really a lot of it comes down to mindfulness. And a lot of the exercises are born from kind of that launching pad of taking a moment, breathing, reflecting, pausing, giving the child permission to yes. do that. They use the word invite a lot in a lot of the programs, but encouraging them to do that, and that which actually stops both parent and child. And stops your mind from and spinning. And your mind from spinning, right. Which is usually anxiety. At the core of what they do, Goldie talks a lot about brain breaks and it's really a kind of a trademark of their program. It can be mindful listening, mindful movement, uh, mindful seeing, smelling. They talk about the five senses. There's an exercise they do with slime, which looks so revolting, but so incredible to somebody who's a certain <laughs> age that's younger than me. So that that's, I think that's a really cool one. They talk about gratitude exercises. They talk about kindness exercises. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned in mental health, not as a professional, but as a mother, at the root of all of it, I think is that love is that when you want to help a child, no matter what that child is dealing with, whether it is a serious mental health illness or whether it is Mm -hmm. something that's new or whatever, anything in between, like any of it, you really, as the parent have to be the best version of yourself and have that love. So Everything that MindUp does and every program and module that they take you through is really based on that. And what parent can't do that? Mm-hmm. Like it's so easy and so exactly. natural. And to know that it's steeped in science and neuroscience and all of that is just a bonus. But you don't care about that as a parent. You just want to help your kid, right? So there's a lot of fun things to do. Michelle, you say that parenting doesn't come with a guidebook. What do you mean briefly by that? You don't have to be perfect to be a parent. But sometimes I think as parents, we feel like we have to be. That's really a shame because no one really teaches us how to do this. We're learning often with our child. You put something like mental health issues into the fold and you're learning even faster and the stakes are higher. I think it's about self-compassion, a huge thing in mental health. Um, So there's no guidebook. Mm -hmm. Judy, you know that. We know that. We do the best (laughs) we can. Um, A platform like this helps us along in that process. It's that simple. And what's nice about this platform also is it's not a judgmental thing. Mm -mm. Like, look what you've done. So now let's fix it. What this does, and that's Mm -hmm. why I use the word proactive, it's here's some things you can do. And Dr. Clinton in her book, and with 20 years of evidence, will show you the outcomes 
of doing this. And, you know, I was just somewhere this past weekend and someone said, you know, my child's suffering from a mental health issue. And, you know, I kind of wish they were blind. And I knew exactly what she meant. But that Mm. idea that if someone sees somebody with a white cane already, they're like, oh, can I help you? Or they'll hold open the door or they'll understand and not blame the person for their suffering or make it, you know, and she said, my poor kid walks into school every day and is struggling. And instead of people around him or her being compassionate, instead they're being, you know, it just causing more anxiety and stigma. So it's really, really, I think that this mind up program is really like, it should be mandatory. I really believe, I think in all the schools, I'm starting to think that. Yes. So there are some schools in Ontario that have it, but like most things, it's just not not enough people know. And so that's really our goal of this whole thing is to spread the word. You don't have to create the program. The program exists and we want to teach you how to use it and give you the gift of it for a year. And if you can share it, you know, you learn it and you pass it on. What excites me the most is that we can have a ripple effect here. Like we can really impact a lot of people who are really suffering. And to me, that's the greatest thing that we could hope to do. And that's that's the goal of October 19th, 7.30, Eglinton Theatre. Come because it's going to be worthwhile. I really have to congratulate you guys on all of this. What is bliss these days for Leanne Matlow? continue to try to keep this message going and help as many people as possible, educate people about what mental health is that help mental health is part of health and that we need to be kind and compassionate to people understand it. And we need to keep growing our knowledge and we just want to help as many people as we can. We don't want children to suffer. We don't want families to suffer and we want people to know there is help and hope. Wonderful. Michelle, why are you so passionate? Can you tell us what you are so passionate about for this year's event specifically and what bliss is for you these days? I think what I'm passionate about, Judy, is that I don't want parents to feel alone. I think Leanne and I are a pretty good team because she's very much about the child. I'm very much about the parents. We're both about each other, about each of those. But I talk to a lot of parents who are feeling very alone and very lost and who just don't know what to do and they feel really dumb and they're not dumb. They're loving and wonderful. And so, you know, to be able to help on that level, that really inspires me in terms of bliss. I'll throw some words at it. Cause that's what I do. Peaceful. <laughs> hopeful. I want people just to feel peaceful. It's been a really rough time. We've all been through it. And I know a lot of people who aren't peaceful right now. So I wish them peace. And I wish that for you too, Judy. Thank you. And you. And I wish it for all of you and for everyone listening. And again, Mental Health Empowerment Day, 6th Annual. It really does sound fantastic this year. Again, it's at the Eglinton Grand Theatre, Wednesday, October 19th at 7.30 p.m. And to register for this exciting event, all you have to do is go to www.mhedmhead.ca. That's mhed.ca. And look forward to seeing you there. I want to thank you both so much, Leanne and Michelle, for being on the show again today. It was wonderful having you back as always. Thank you, Judy. Thanks for all you do. All you do. Absolutely. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.
And congratulations on this. This really does sound wonderful. It's an important and meaningful event. And it's wonderful that you're making this possible and focusing on children, parents, and families. Thanks for all the wonderful work that you both do in the world, making it a better place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Each week, we spotlight someone who's doing exactly what Leanne and Michelle are doing, making the world a better place. So if you are someone who is doing that and is, has found their bliss in doing so, we would love to hear from you. All you have to do is write to us at FYB at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach. If I can help you in any way, let me know. You can reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests, Allison Schaefer, Leanne Matlow, and Michelle Viner for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kiley, Lauren Kaminsky, producer and audio engineer, Nayira Amani, associate editor and video editor, Sierra Brown Rodriguez, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.